Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you are about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of letting go is author and host of one of the top mindfulness and self-help podcasts, Case Kenny. Welcome, Case. Hello. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thanks for being here. Well, let me introduce you because you have an awesome bio. Case Kenny helps people recognize their superpowers in relationship with others and their selves. Case will talk to us about how it all comes back to mindfulness and our ability to let go. Case Kenny is the host of the top mindfulness and self-help podcast, New Mindset Who Dis. He is also the author of the best-selling mindfulness journals, The New Mindset Journal, Unbothered, and Single is Your Superpower. Case has been featured in Forbes, Inc., and Chicago Tribune, and his brainchild, Am I saying this right? Purist was named as a top email newsletter and entrepreneur mag. At Polyglot, he spins, he speaks Arabic, Hindu, Urdu, and Mandarin. Apart from his native English language, he loves house music, Chipotle, ripped jeans, and eight-letter license plates. So you didn't know I was going to include that. Wow. Deep cuts there. <laughs> I know, right? Right? Well, wow. I had to spice it up a little bit. Um, did I say that right? Is it Purist was your email newsletter? Um, that was Pursuit. That was pursuit. a little outdated with Pursuit, but okay. uh, yes, at the time it was Pursuit. So what are you working on now? I, I podcast full time. That's all I do. Full time. Yeah. So yeah. all you do, but so do you do have a new journal, a new. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I have a whole business around mindfulness. Like the, the podcast is how, you know, give reason, give people a reason to listen to me and buy my products. Mm-hmm. So I approve, <laughs> you know, know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So I, I have a business around journals. I've created a series of journals um, that uh, bring what I talk about on the podcast to life and help people actually practice what I, what I preach. So yeah, big journal guy, very much focused on the art of journaling, the practice of journaling, the simplicity of journaling. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about it. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, I'm holding two of your journals hey. see, that I filled out. See, yes. But you have a new one on like, that's an app, right? Yeah. I just released two new ones um, that are digital. Um, I get a lot of requests from people um, for digital versions and these are, they're, they're like short little hits. They're called closure and clarity. Basically, if you need closure from your past or you're, you know, you're confused in the present, you could download those journals and they each only take two hours to complete. So it's a quick hit of what you need most versus my other journals are about habit formation journal for 10 minutes a day for 60 days. These are about, Hey, I need something, um, right now. (laughs) And I'd love to find it two hours later. Hopefully you have some progress towards it. Well, amazing. Well, let's zoom out just a little bit. Tell me, like, what led you to become the journal master? And, you know, I know that they aren't all for relationships, but they do feel like that's the sort of centric theme. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, so one of them is very specific to relationships. I, I mean, I never set out to do any of this, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I want to be a, you know. What you set out guy. to do. Jeez. Uh, I mean, flash. I mean, I'm 33 now. Still feel very, very young flashback. I mean, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a doctor. I studied languages in college. Um, I was going to do international business or government work kind of all over the place. Mm. Um, I worked a day job forever doing sales and advertising and technology sales. 
Um, but really like my, my whole thing is I've, I've always been drawn um, and like pulled, even like I've been pulled towards, you know, mindfulness subjects, mm-hmm. um, the, the practice of self-awareness. I always joke that I share my feelings for a living. And <laughs> I think I've always been drawn to that because I, I, when I was born, I was just a hardwired optimist. I always have been. And I think that coming with the territory of optimism is just like simplicity. Like I've always been able to mm-hmm. simplify emotions in life. Um, and then through a lot of practice, namely podcasting and writing, I've turned around and I've been able to um, share those perspectives with other people. And it's been very helpful. And I just keep, you know, creating things that I think might help people. And then people are like, this is helpful. This is not helpful. And I just keep pulling on that string. And, um, you know, eight years later, after I started writing online, I've, you know, settled on these subjects that are very personal to me because they help me, namely mindfulness but they also help other people. So, um, you know, I just keep going in this direction, but it's fun. It's fun to like not have an end goal in mind, but to know that, you know, I'm helping people. That's, it's a, it's a privilege. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And it's awesome to see it coming from, you know, you're young, 33. I'm, I'm dating myself. I'm a lot older than you, but, you know, to see that level of, I uh, would say spiritual maturity coming from you is really, it's amazing. And thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. So, so now you're here and you've become this sort of ju- journal guru, if you will, um, in helping people. And one of the journals that really helped me, and I actually am a coach, so I give a lot to my clients, I'm a habit coach, is this unbothered journal. Because I find that reading this journal, it really helped me redefine my definition of happiness, if you will. Um, I actually did a, like a little bit of a redefine of my definition in which I teach happiness, which that happiness to me is being a bit unbothered. And <laughs> and I wanted I to know that. if that resonated with you because it when I say it to people they kind of were like huh and I'm like well the case Kenny he wrote this journal <laughs> but it really is this this idea that if we can be quite unbothered by the external things that are happening around us and we're not attached to them which obviously is not a new thought this is Buddhist philosophy sort of one hundred and one then we therefore can find a state of peace in which I equate that with happiness what do you think. I think, yes, I think that's amazing. I mean, my whole thing in life is like, I I believe, and this is just my belief. I believe that like when we were born, like we are wired for happiness. I really think so. I think the things that detract from happiness is the inevitability of pain, hurt, frustration, noise in life, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, right? That's what detracts from our natural state, which I think is some form of happiness or contentment. But then life hits us. Um, we overthink, we do all these things. I think exactly what you described, finding a mental state that is you strive to be unbothered by that noise. You're pushing yourself more towards that more natural state, that, that centered state, which is intentional, of course, um, that is happiness. And yeah, the whole thing with unbothered is exactly that. It's trying to encourage people to understand where is either anxiety or frustration or, or whatever it is coming from? Is it coming from you? Is it coming from the outside world? Is it a combination of the two? Where are the checks and balances in place to say, this is not my weight to carry versus this is like that practice, I think could be very redeeming towards whatever definition of happiness you have. But ultimately it's one where you are striving to be unbothered by those things, things that you either can't control, shouldn't try to control, aren't yours to carry whatever it may be. So long-winded way of saying, yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> your definition well, so, of happiness. So, so like for someone who's listening that says, okay, so the first step sort of in this process is sort of this awareness piece, right. Of understanding mm-hmm. like what it is I, 
I should, I don't really like that word, but you know, can control what I have agency yep. over and what I don't. And, and therefore gets this topic of letting go. How does someone even like approach that process? Like what advice would you have for them? Yeah. Well, I think about just mindfulness in general. Um, and I, I find it, it helpful to break it down. I, I find that it gives a lot of clarity. So like, what is, what is mindfulness? Well, it's in the word it's mindful. What does it mean to be mindful? It means exactly what you said. It means to be aware. What does it mean to be aware? What does it mean to be self-aware? Well, in my mind, it means to be radically honest with yourself. It's a big difference between being aware of something and being honest with the motivation behind it. But still, that, that's a little ambiguous. What does it mean to be honest with yourself? I think we have differing degrees of that. To me, I break it down one step further. I think mindfulness is self-awareness. Self-awareness is honesty. Honesty is the ability at all points in time to answer the question of why. Ooh. I am obsessed with this question of why, like to the point of annoying people. I think <laughs> if, you're, if you're able to answer, I mean, I do these things where I grasp on the concepts or words or phrases, and then I just beat them up because I think again, my whole thing is trying to simplify mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness is the ability to ask yourself and answer the question of why. And not in the sense that you answer it and you're like, I have a master plan behind everything, but it's why it's why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I going on a second date? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling discontent? Whatever it is, it's the ability to answer the question. You might not have pure clarity around, around it. You might not know exactly what you're doing. You might take another step and be wrong, but I think the ability to ask yourself and answer that question is, is the ultimate practice of mindfulness in life because it, it gets you what I call getting out of the gray in life. The gray is that ambiguous zone mm. where you're doing things which are well-intentioned, but they might not be your things. You might be borrowing other people's definitions of, of, of success, happiness. You might be borrowing other people's definitions of a checklist for what you should look for in a partner. But if you practice the, the, the habit of why, which is literally what journaling is, then mm. you're sending yourself in, okay, well, at least I came up with my why and I'm practicing it. And that gives you clarity. And I think as long as you're operating from a sense of clarity, that's your clarity. It's not borrowed clarity. I, I think that leads to happiness. And I think that leads to a willingness to let go of things that no longer fall into those, into your why. So that's how I look at mindfulness. And I think that's a strong starting point to any conversation around letting go or moving on or starting over or whatever it may be. If, if you're not asking yourself why you as a unique individual person are feeling a certain way, doing certain things, then you're kind of skipping what I think is the most foundational step of any introspective process. Yeah. So I guess what's coming up for me is like, what's the relationship between like curiosity and mindfulness? I think they're honestly one and the same. <laughs> I think they're one and the same. Yeah, that's what I hear you saying. So that's yeah. what I was wondering. Yeah, like it, this idea, because sometimes mindfulness, like the word comes with all this like woo-woo heavy weight. So for like the average listener, yes. you know, we have a lot of listeners, they might be like, oh, mindfulness, I'm tuning out. But like this idea of curiosity kind of gets back to like that childlike sense of us, yes. yes, right? And then we can sort of, you know, if we want to even substitute the word, if they are one and the same, like if the more curious we are, which is this act of journaling, is a way that we can, you know, again, to repeat what you're saying, find what is our why. And then once we find our why, then what? <laughs> then, you, then you live <laughs> it, honestly. So again, I'm big on different, different uh, terms and, and beating them up. I think if you, if you create a habit formation of why, and that's what journaling gets you, journaling mm -hmm. gets you in, it's a muscle, you practice it so that when you're out in real life and you're not 
sitting on your couch journaling, your new muscle reflex to pain, stress, questions, whatever it is in life is why, then I think it gives you the two things I'm so passionate about, which is closure and clarity. My, your definition of happiness is amazing. My definition well, I did of steal happiness, it from you. <laughs> well, that's why it's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, my definition of, I don't even, I, I tend not to define happiness. My, def, my goal in life is to operate from a place of closure and clarity. Truly, that's closure from the past. Um, might not be pure closure. It's, it's a peaceful acceptance of the past and clarity in the present. And when that's your case, then when that's your, your, your mentality, there's nothing really holding you back. And then in the present, you're operating from your truth rather than someone else's. I don't see how you can lose when that's the case. To me, that's yeah. happiness. That's everything all wrapped up in one. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think mindfulness, I used to like clown on mindfulness, to be honest with you. When I was in my twenties, I was like, oh man, mindfulness, let me get my crystals out. And you know, we're going <laughs> to talk about vibrations and frequencies and things like that. And sure, that's, I, I very much respect people who, who take it to that like advanced level, but ultimately mindfulness is literally just exactly what it's supercharged curiosity, radical curiosity that you then go out and you cash it in for closure and clarity. And when you live with closure and clarity, I, I don't think you're going to look back and have a whole lot of things to regret because you're always operating from a place of you and why. Wow. And this idea of like standing in your power, right. And then like using that to then, uh, you know, live your why, which what you're saying is closure and clarity. And I love that so much. Why did you choose closure, closure and clarity? Uh, I like alliterations. Uh, and I felt Me too. <laughs> uh, you speak a lot of happen. languages. So <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, I love a good word, a word soup. Um, uh, well, I mean, honestly, one of the, the topics that I talk about a lot because it's so relatable and there's such need for it is closure. I think about the the frustrations we have in life is like we're we're human and we're as much as I do think we're wired for positivity we're also wired to hang on to things that we shouldn't for as long mm. as we do and I you know I I've done hundreds of podcast episodes and you know everyone is always looking for a way to create closure in their life for mm. so that they can move forward so I thought that that was very very important um to be able to look back and create peace but then also I think to move forward, you need to operate from a strong place of clarity. That is just not ambiguous. Deciding what is true for you. Like I always like the little soundbite that I always like to drop is that there's no right way to live your life, but there's a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. That's always been my mentality because we're very quick to put ourselves in a corner a lot and think, oh, okay, well, that person's happy or that single person's happy or that couple is happy. I need to emulate what they have and then I'll be happy. And some of that might be true. It's great to be inspired by other people. It's great to have examples you look up to, but ultimately you have to decide what makes you happy, what your definition of success, fulfillment, creativity is. And if you're operating from that understanding, then the question of clarity in the present is always a driving force. Am I doing what I want to do because it's my definition of X, Y, Z? No. Then what steps can I take towards defining it for myself? And obviously pragmatism plays a big role. You can't just be like, well, happiness is living on an island. I'm going to live on an island. <laughs> We're talking about like spiritual happiness and, and things like that. So um, yeah, I, just, I honestly, I think those two, those two, the combination of those two mindsets or you know, emotional states are just so, so important. So, so I love that. And then give me this idea of like, so how does letting go or the habit of letting go, like, how does that fit into the piece of closure? I think it's, I think it's so intrinsically tied to it. So I think about letting go 
when I think about letting go, I think, I think more about starting over when I think about letting go, um, mm-hmm. because I, I think that's, that's really the output of letting go. Um, but it's, it's, a there's overlap there. So I think about starting over. I think about letting go. I think about what you get when you create closure for yourself. Hopefully ideal state with closure is you say, oh, I understand why this happened. Here's, here's the, the standard I gained from this experience, mm-hmm. whatever it is, not necessarily relationships, but anything could be loss, regret, pain, rejection, whatever. Ideal state of closure is you look that thing in the eye and you say, okay, I understand why it happened. I understand what I gained from it. If not that, at least acceptance that, hey, I will find it. But for now, I'm at peace with what happened or didn't happen. Either way, you have something. You have something to look to. I think about letting go. I think about moving moving on. I think a lot of times the reason we're so resistant to those things mm-hmm. is because we refuse to look at what we gain through closure, which is something. A lot of the times we think about letting, we think about moving on. We think it's more about uh, what we're leaving behind than what we're bringing with us. But if you practice closure, you realize what you're bringing with you. I have this whole bit I do on the idea of points in life. Right. Um, I'm big on analogies too. Like I have this system where I call it awkward points. Like anytime you're awkward or you're embarrassed, you get a point. And ultimately, you realize <laughs> I a, that I get a lot of points. It's like a, it's like a county fair. You got the biggest teddy bear, stuffed teddy bear at the end of it. Yeah. All, that's the idea. Is like the more points you have towards that thing, ultimately you cash it in for something. And in the case of awkward points, you cash it in for confidence. That's mm. how that's how it works, right? I I don't think anyone would disagree that confidence is derived from being awkward, being embarrassed, but moving on because you realize it doesn't define you. But it's the same thing with letting go and starting over. All those things, those points, which might be lessons learned, new standards, new boundaries, you're always bringing those with you. But for some reason, when we think about starting over, when we think about letting go, we think that we're resetting to zero. And that's a, that's a pretty bad feeling. And it's no wonder we're resistant to let go and start over. But yeah. you can kind of reshift your perspective and be like, yeah, I'm starting over, but I'm starting from experience. I'm starting from this. I'm bringing these things with me. It's a more redeeming mindset. So that, that's how I think about everything. And in that process is intrinsically tied closure, of course, because that's yeah. where you identify what you're bringing with you. Yeah. Cause it coming up for me that like, you know, when we were so resistant to let go, me included, obviously all of us. And part of that is that we do feel like it creates so much scarcity for us. It creates this void. But what you're saying is we're higher up on the staircase than we were when we started. I think so. And again, like I always try to, you know, I talk about mindfulness, mindful. It's very easy to approach like patronizing territory. Like, Oh, it's okay. You know, you're, you're growing through it. Like, <laughs> That's not, that's not my brand of mindfulness because to my point, I used to like, I used to clown on it and like, what is the value there? So I really try to avoid that type of territory. So when I, when I think about these types of concepts, they, they have to be logically bound together. I have to be able to like prove it to myself, at least logically. And, um, uh, I have different ways and questions I ask myself to do that, but it's also like, you talk about scarcity. One of the reasons, um, that we struggle to move on is because, we, we tie ourselves to our memories and our memories are like, oh man, that thing was so great for you when you had it. Like, you're really going to let that go. And, um, I think that's human, of course, to look back and be nostalgic or whatever it may be. But I think tied to that is this, is this inclination we have that good things don't happen twice in life. Like Mm. you found connection with someone, then it didn't work out. You'll never find it again. For some reason, that's the territory that we go to, you know, um, call that human wiring. I don't know, negative assumptions about what's possible in the future. So I do think it's always helpful again, to re to stand your ground and say, 
good things absolutely happen can happen again for the yeah. third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, as long as you're grounded in what you deserve. You yeah. talk about logical loops. It's like, it's easy to be like, well, I don't deserve love because I haven't been loved in the past or every time I love someone it's been thrown in my face. But you think about what you deserve in life, what you deserve in life is inherently tied to what you're willing to do yourself. And if you could sit down and be like, I, I deserve the same love that I'm willing to give. If I'm willing to be honest, I deserve honesty in return. If I'm willing to be upfront about my intentions, I deserve that in return. Like that kind of logic is like, yeah, it's right. It might not be on the timeline that you want because that's mm-hmm. life for you. But backing into the things that you deserve remind you that you could get them again. But the second time, the third time, it'll be a more redeeming version, maybe a forever version or whatever it is. But I think we need to find habits and questions and prompts to remind ourselves of those facts rather than going to quick assumption territory, which is good things don't happen twice. I'm leaving all this behind. I'm starting from zero where the reality is if you can pause that kind of cynical thinking for a second, you might very well be able to prove the opposite to yourself. Oh, I love that. Good things happen more than once. Yeah. And so the the one thing that about letting go is, and you touched on this for a second, there is like this idea of like spiritual bypassing, you know, in, um, you know, I'm a yoga teacher amongst other things, but, you know, you hear these people that are like, just let it go. And I'm like, well, that's not really how it works. You know, our brain actually has to process things and our body, you know, somatically holds on to things. Um, And in order to let it go, we do have to go through some sort of a process. So I didn't know what you thought about sort of that idea. You probably made fun of it at some point of the idea of like, you know, the buzzword of letting go, it kind of has a bad rap, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Former hater here, but um, <laughs> I mean, obviously that was, I just, I just, I, I say that to make fun of myself. I think I was just immature and was like, yeah, I, I'll figure it out later or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there is certainly a process. It's not as simple as like, all right, well that really hurt. Guess I'll let go. Like, of course not. Like that would not be doing yourself any service. I mean, what's the, what's the saying? Like you can't heal what you refuse to feel like Mm -hmm. that's what I'm big on journaling It's some kind of habit to force you to identify those things. And not just once, but we talk about mindfulness is curiosity. I think mindfulness is supercharged curiosity because a lot of times curiosity ends at one why, like, Oh, why is the sky blue? Google. Oh, cool. It's because of X, Y, Z. I think mindfulness is why answer, why answer, why answer until you get to like the, the, the bottom of it. I'm um, feeling anxious. Well, why? Well, I have a lot on my plate. Well, why? Well, because I keep putting stuff there. Well, why? Well, because I have something to prove. Well, why? Well, because my parents, well, well why? So on and so forth. Like, <laughs> this genuinely is coaching one Yeah. I mean, now we're getting to therapy, but like, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that is the process you have to go through. And when it comes to letting go, if you skip that, you're, you're sweeping a lot of things under the rug for one, but two, you're not taking advantage of the gift that hardship gives you, which is leveling up. Like I, the unfortunate reality of life is like to get what you want, you have to experience what you don't want. I fundamentally believe that. How, wow. how do you truly know? How do you truly know what you want? Unless you've experienced the opposite. Like, it sounds like, like, like masochistic, but you've got to, you've got to go through what you don't want to truly know what you want. Otherwise it's just theory. Yeah, right. Totally. Like, I mean, I wish that wasn't, I wish that it. wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> yeah. very passionate about it, but yeah, no, totally. So back to the habit of journaling, which is such a, which is such a powerful habit. And I picked up your journal. I'd gone through a divorce and I was like, Oh, I, you know, I do did two minute journal, but I was like, I'm going to try something else. And you, your ad actually came up on Instagram, bought the journal. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> 
So here I am and filled out two journals, but both really helped me recenter my thoughts and um, helped also for those people who might have trouble just freehand journaling. There are prompts, right? So it is nice to be directed. I think for me, I'm journaling for years and years. So Sometimes I do do it my way. Sometimes I'll do a prompted journal. It just depends sort of where I'm at, how my mental, mental and everything else is doing. But, you know, it really helped me. So what is your habit of journaling? Yeah, for sure. So I actually, up until two years ago, I didn't journal because kind of to your point, I wanted to journal and I would buy um, different journals. And I just never, I never found that they were like my style. Like I'm a little ADD. So if you sit me down and like, just share your thoughts, it doesn't really work. So like call that a, a very basic unprompted journal. And then I found a lot of other journals were like, like relax. Like it was like, all right, fill this out at 7am, come back at 2pm and then do a productivity checklist for later in the evening. Like just like too prompted. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, let me create something that I think I would enjoy. And that's the, the output, um, kind of a mix of prompted and unprompted. Um, so it's weird. I, I definitely do my own journal. Um, but you know, for me, like my mindfulness practice is like, so intertwined with what I do, um, for a living. I feel like I'm doing self-therapy for, you know, 14 hours a day, at this point. <laughs> but for me, mindfulness and journaling is so intrinsically tied to music um, that's like my sweet spot. Like I have found in my life, I, the right kind of music puts me in a very, uh, honest headspace. And I think that's essential to, to journal. Um, so that's, that's what I do. I don't have like, I sit down every morning at 8am with coffee and write a gratitude list. Like I just, my days are too hectic. Um, but I always, I always find something. Otherwise I'd be a little bit hypocritical. I suppose. Well, this brings us to my next question, which is, I read you love to do dance music guided meditations. You have to tell us more. I, I do. Yeah. So I have a radio show called Den- Zen Disco, um, which is literally what it says. It's, uh, and I love house music. I love like EDM, awesome. whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, anything groovy, anything upbeat. So a couple of years back, I, um, I just wanted to find a way to bring my two passions to life, which is mindfulness and dance music. So basically I put these mixes together, usually the 35, 40 minutes. I either do them myself or I've done a couple collabs with artists like Griffin, Sam Felt, Cheat Codes, mm-hmm. folks like that. And um, basically what we'll do is we'll put together a mix of dance music and the way that they work is it all flows together. Um, that's how mixes work. And then I'll come in over the top during the interludes and drop some, some mindfulness. Basically, if you ever listen to like, I don't know, Sirius XM or anything where maybe the DJ will pop in and be like, all right, that was yeah. Tiesto on the track with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Also be sure to check out our upcoming show in Chicago. Instead of that, I fill it with some positivity. And I've just found that the interplay between the right kind of music, and in this case is electronic music, which is um, very uh, repetitive, and, you know, 125 beats per minute, very uplifting, uh, very like crescendo driven. And you combine that with mindfulness. Um, it works really, really well. Cause I just found that a lot of people want to do meditation, but they're maybe like me, they they're very active sitting down. Isn't very productive for them. So it's like kinetic mindfulness. It's moving meditation, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's just groovy. Like the whole thing about mindfulness, the whole, the, the reason I, I love it so much is mindfulness is a celebration of awareness. Mm. It's not yeah. like a set. It's not journaling. Isn't for sad people. Like certainly if you're sad, you please do it. It's not for depressed people. If you're depressed, you can get so much from it, all those things. But I think I used to think that, oh man, journaling is this thing that when you've just, you're, you've had too much and you're on the verge of tears, you sit down and you let it all out. 
certainly there's a time and place for that. But I think journaling, mindfulness, whatever it is, it's a celebration of how you feel in a good totally. way. It's a habit like for a, happiness. It is one of, Exactly. I it's love something that. that most all happy people do. I mean, I read a, re- a book recently and she's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks um, by Marcy Shimoff. And she wrote happy for no reason. And she interviewed um, thousands of people to find a hundred people who were the happiest people that she knows. And this was a while ago. She did this. She was featured in the movie, The Secret. She wrote um, Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul. So you may know of her oh, work. Yeah. But okay. um, she she said it's hard to find people that are always happy. So think about in your own life, right? So do you know someone who's kind of always happy? I know a couple of them. Um, I, an Olympic medalist friend of mine is one. And you really, people meet him and they think, oh my gosh, how is this guy so freaking happy? But he is, that's just who he is. And um, she interviewed the habits of them. And obviously things like journaling, you know, came up. It was really interesting, um, the different things that they do. So it is not just for sad people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for that validation. I'll have to listen to that. That's, it's so true. Cause I mean, I think about what, I think about the value of journaling. Certainly it's the value you get from 10 minutes a day, however long you do it, the immediate value, boom, maybe you had a moment of catharsis. Maybe you had a moment of clarity. That's fantastic. But I think it's the value of what you bring from that experience mm-hmm. is the way that you train yourself so that moving forward, you don't do what we all love to do, which is bury things, ignore it, sweep it under the rug. I, I, I think self-awareness is the ultimate gift when it's practiced alongside of a, you know, redeeming, compassionate mindset. Cause you're not ignoring anything. It's yeah. you're, you're literally training yourself to have a muscle that says when you're faced with something that confuses you, frustrates you, whatever it hurts you, you don't sweep it under the rug, you address it in some way. And I think as long as that's your starting point, I, I think it's going to wire you or rewire you to be happier per whatever definition you have. So yeah, (laughs) unbothered. So um, hold hold that thought. We're going to go to break. Um, Everyone hang on. We're here with Case Kenny talking about the habit mindfulness and the habit of letting go. We'll be back in a second. Thanks everyone. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, 
Call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back with Habits for Happiness, the show talk about habits that can make you happier. We're here with Case Kenny today to talk about the habit of letting go and the core topic of mindfulness. So welcome back, Case. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I love our, I love our chat. This is great. Yeah, it's been fun. So, so we were talking and we got off topic, but we were talking about your, your radio, um, is it radio station or radio station on Spotify, Zen music. And, um, you know, I, I teach and do a lot of yoga and we do, I, I'm going to have to incorporate that because we do do some, we listen to Trevor Hall and some different, um, two guys that actually do talk over the music sometimes, which I love. And I'm like, I have this idea in my head that you're doing like some NLP work on us as you're telling us. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to listen to like, um, you know, the Oprah and Deepak, they do like 21 day guided meditations and she's talking and I was like, Oh, we're probably getting like subliminal messages for like Weight Watchers or whatever else. (laughs) But, um, and and she's amazing, but, and and he's amazing, but so let's talk about relationships. So why did your work go towards relationships versus general mindfulness? Yeah. So it's a great question. I never set out to do relationship content ever, 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 ever. In fact, I waited almost 70 episodes to even touch it because uh, I, I'm single. I'm in a relationship, but I'm single and I'm married or anything. Um, and it felt, it felt like, why should I be giving dating advice? For one, it's not something I ever wanted to do. Two, and I was thinking, <laughs> hold on, I was thinking, you know, going on a date with you would be very scary. <laughs> Journaling in the bathroom. <laughs> it's, oh man, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I can see why people think that, but I, like, I am able to turn these things on and off. Like this mindfulness is mindfulness is my life, but, uh, it's like, I'm pragmatic enough to know that you got to turn it off sometimes. And like going on dates, it's not like, Oh, tell me about your past trauma. Like, I, I don't even want to do that. Like, it's not of interest to me. So I, I think I am somewhat decent at compartmentalizing what I do and, <laughs> and real life. But, um, Yeah, no, I just, I, you know, I did 70 episodes of just pure mindfulness. And then the number one question I kept getting was case, how do I get over a breakup? How do I apply this to dating and this, that mind mindset. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, I think if you think of any area in life that is particularly ripe with frustration and lack of clarity and lack of closure and lack of self-awareness and self-love, it has to be the most complicated of all, which is interpersonal relationships. So I was like, I guess I'm kind of remiss to not be addressing these things. So I started giving my thoughts based only on my experience um, on dating and people just loved it. And honestly, that honestly, that's kind of what blew up the podcast and everything I do just because it's relatable. I think, you know, relationship drama is the glue that binds people together a lot of the times. And I think it just drove a sense of relatability that people wanted. I, I've just discovered when it comes to, you know, making a living, being a content guy, uh, having a, like an emotional trigger, um, is very important. Like people I'm triggered by, I need to solve for it. And then here I come with some perspective that might help. I think that's in demand versus I just want to be happier. Well, a lot of times it's, I want to be happier because of, and then a lot of the time it's because of a breakup, because of dating frustration, because I feel like I'm settling whatever it is. So, um, you know, to my point in the beginning, I go where people say they need help and here I am 
you know, five years from now, who knows what I'll be talking about, but um, yeah, it's, it's, you're it's like the Harville Hendrix of 2022. I don't know if you know I, who he is. <laughs> I don't, but a relationship uh, guru and he's been around okay. since the seventies and he lives in my uh, home state of Colorado, but he's a big proponent of relationships. And his theory actually, just to let you know, is that we all get into relationships before we fully spiritually matured to heal a wound with one of our parents. So that we try to force the relationship. If we think we, let's say you marry or are in a relationship with an avoidant partner um, because your dad was avoidant. And therefore, if you can make this person love you, you can fix the relationship with your father. And it sort of doesn't work like that. Right. And so then you, you know, and what I gained from your journals is that you, you know, it was interesting because you are this relationship guru that you're really concentrating on self-love because it's not until we are sort of whole spiritually or otherwise um, and mindfulness about our own needs and, and certain that we can even like have a relationship come into our life. Yeah. I mean, that's my whole, that's my whole focus. Like it would be very disingenuous of me to talk about relationship dynamics and marriage counseling and, and things <laughs> like that. I, I don't, I don't know anything about it. How could I talk about it? But what I do know is about the power of introspection, the power of self-love, mm-hmm. the power of self-accountability, you know, things like attachment theory, things like love languages, Absolutely. Um, I think those are so, so important. I've done episodes on all those things, but mm-hmm. everything is through the lens of yourself and the why that you can ask yourself. Like, like <laughs> the first foray into why was my book called Single is Your Superpower, where chapter one was, why are you dating? Why are you dating? Most people are like, well, what do you mean? Why am I dating? We're not supposed to be alone. I want to have a family. And I'm, I'm always like, yes, of course, I am not going to discount your biological human um, conditioned reasons to date, but to date compassionately and intelligently um, and from a place of your truth, I think you need to have a why that's a little bit more selfish, like Mm. self-compassionate. Like I always say, like, those are good reasons. Of course, those are good reasons. Um, Some people, their purpose is to start a family. Absolutely. And I would never discount that. But for me, it's like, I think you have to have a why that's like, uh, I want to find someone who verb me, (coughs) who helps me grow, who checks my ego, who does X, Y, Z for me. And then obviously the the reciprocity is important and I do X, Y, Z for them. I think that is such a more powerful place of action than I'm dating because I don't want to be lonely. I'm dating Mm. because I want to start a family. I just, those are ambiguous. I I think you, you lack the, the clarity that you deserve when it's not coming from a place of truly here's why I'm dating truly. Here's why I'm looking for a partner. So that, that was the genesis of, of why, but again, it's all rooted through, through mindfulness. Like, yeah, I mean, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, I kind of think of, you know, we're the cupcake and I tell my clients all the time, like a relationship or a companion or a partner or whatever is wonderful. And there's just sprinkles on your cupcake, but you're the cupcake. Yeah. Amen. A delicious (laughs) red velvet cupcake. Whatever cupcake flavor you want to be, you can be, and they are sprinkles. They add value, but they're not the whole enchilada. Exactly. Ooh, enchiladas too. Yeah. You, I mean, <laughs> you like Chipotle. You, yeah, exactly. We're talking a lot about food. You use food analogies. I use main character energy analogy. I do a lot about main character energy, right? Deciding what's right for you, your standard and so on. My whole thing is that I think the right relationship is between two main characters. That's two people who are writing their own script rather than hoping someone else says, Hey, join my script. I think, you know, I, I, who am I to define what the, 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 what compatibility looks like? Cause everyone is different, but I think that should be the expectation that you are main character driven and that you are aware, honest, 
asking why. And that other person is also doing the same. So in a, in a sense, you're not looking for each other to complete or fill a gap or heal baggage. You're, you know, no one's ever going to be fully in that when they come together, because that's the timing of life. But I think that should be the goal. Basically, it's just two people who are practicing mindfulness. Totally. <laughs> journal a lot. Yeah. Really you know, I, I always um, espouse the belief that we live in a mirroring universe, which sounds very metaphysical and woo-woo. But this idea of, you know, I guess it's the basis of law of attraction that what we put out is what we get in. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about law of attraction. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't I don't like there are way smarter people. And so then, you know, there's there's a lot of studies on that. When I think about law of attraction, I think about literally I just think about the stories we tell ourselves. And in the context of dating, um, I think it's so, so important, like like the stories you tell yourself about your dating life. If you're out there telling yourself that all men cheat, all women are crazy, no one understands me, no one is capable of loving me, you're stating maybe facts about what happened in the past, but that's the story you're telling yourself. How do you expect the universe, God, energy, karma, whatever you believe in to reconcile a story like that with the story that you actually want, which is the opposite of that? So like, I'm not overly spiritual or religious, but I do believe in the power of attraction via the words you use, the stories you tell saying a story like all men are all men are uh liars and all women are crazy whatever we're picking the, the most hyperbole example <laughs> these possible. are beliefs these are very limiting exactly beliefs. Yes. yeah let's just go with the, the the most on opposite spectrums yes you're saying something like that but the story you want is i the story that you deserve is i want someone who respects me who understands me why can't we just check ourselves and tell that story i just i don't think it's possible for us to say one thing believe one thing, but expect the opposite to happen in our lives. Like, how do you reconcile that? That just doesn't click logically for me. It really yeah. doesn't. Well, our belief and drives so, our behaviors and our expectations. It has so, to. Yeah. It has to. So our observation. We, how do we shift our beliefs? So we've got some <laughs> beliefs that, you know, all men are, you know, not, not nice. And all women are crazy or whatever it is. Um, and we've all had these, right. So, so how do we shift these limiting beliefs? How do we let go of limiting beliefs in order to let in what beliefs might serve us so that we can call in the partner we want or have the relationship we want with ourselves or other guys? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the tough, that's the tough spot because it's easy for me to be like, well, you know, I'm sure you've had experiences that have been redeeming and good and great. And aren't those negative things? Why just circle those and hang on to those? Mm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll choose the evidence that supports the worldview that I want to live. But then there's other people who have just had bad luck and have been mistreated. And they will be like, well, I don't have any examples of that. So again, trying to be pragmatic here and not just pie in the sky mindfulness. Well, just, just stop, you know, just don't do that. <laughs> That's not that helpful. Um, I mean, I think it does come down to like what we were talking about earlier, logic driven mindfulness. If you're at a point in your life and you're like, I just have no example of proof that what I want exists because I've just been beaten up. I just like haven't had the experiences that I think I'm worthy of. I really do think it comes down to reaffirming what you do deserve and why you deserve it to our mm -hmm. exercise earlier. If I'm willing to be honest, I deserve someone who's honest. If I'm willing to love, I deserve someone who loves so on and so forth. I, I think that's really all you can do and tell yourself that story and train yourself to find proof of that observations of that. I mean, it's the same thing. It's a, don't think about a yellow car, yellow car. Don't, you know, <laughs> exactly. It's like, think Where about are, a yellow car. 
same thing. Where, where attention goes, our energy flows for sure. And, and, you know, I'm a big proponent of the idea that whatever beliefs we have, we will always find evidence because the evidence for both sides or whatever many sides there are always exists. So looking for the evidence and then sort of this other piece of like, a lot of times what we want may not have happened to us before. So we might not have like a, a, a vision board to look to in, in sense of then we're almost in this like phase of like, you know, what I see you as like creator, like we're in this like visioning phase. We're becoming like an inventor of things that we don't know exist yet, but can be. And so I think that's something to let listeners know is that we all deserve, you know, what we want. And it's just a question of being clear on what that is. And you know, having the vision to be able to like hold that in your mind's eye and in your heart so that whatever that is can come to you may not be, as you said, on your timeline, but it, yeah. you know, you put out the energy that then that energy can be reciprocated in some form. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just a, it's just a shift. It's just a reframe. I mean, even like relationships specifically, it's like, it's very easy to say that a breakup um, decreased your worth or mm. a breakup was because of something that's wrong with you. But I, I don't agree with that. I think any breakup really truly is about incompatibility. And like, mm. why can't we push ourselves to like, just be a little bit more objective with that. Even if you're at fault, even if you're the person who was totally at fault because uh, of the relationship and you blew it or whatever, it's still about incompatibility. It doesn't mean that you are a less worthy person in the future. As long as you practice what you want and practice what you preach. Like if we could look at relationships like that through that lens of compatibility versus incompatibility, instead of a breakup means my worth decreased, a breakup means I am unlovable. A breakup means I don't bring anything to the table. That's how we reframe it towards, you know, affirming the energy that you want, observing it, finding it, and so on. It, back to everything I said, it's very much about the stories you tell. You mm-hmm. look back and be like, I, you know, my ex broke up with me because I am an unlovable person. I am hard to love. I'm difficult to understand. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a very low energy. There's a lot of shaming in there. <laughs> so much shame versus we were not compatible. And mm-hmm. there's reasons why, but that's the headline. Yeah. If you want to read the thesis statement, maybe some attachment style issues, whatever it is, but still headline, we're not compatible. When you're not compatible, no one's worth increases or decreases. I would, I would say it actually increases. I would say always through a breakup, your worth increases. Mm-hmm. Because what is worth built on? Worth is built on willingness to do, try and experience. So again, so the earlier conversation through a breakup, you're bringing, unfortunately, a breakup point with you. And what does a breakup point give you? It gives you a new boundary, a new standard or whatever it is. And you're bringing that with you. You're not starting over. You might literally be starting over in the, the sense of being alone, but you're not starting over from the sense of your mentality. So I, I, I always think there's just a way to reframe if you're willing to, mm-hmm. and where does that come from? It comes from asking why. <laughs> right. Curiosity and mindfulness yeah. lead to the ability to do reframing work. And so, yeah. you know, in the time we have remaining, please tell me in your view, what does forgiveness have to do with letting go? Cause a lot of times with, if we're going to talk about it in the context of relationships, when we have exes, it's hard to forgive. And I do know through the work that I teach to my clients that forgiveness is integral in this process of letting go. And it's not really about them, but tell me more. Yeah. I mean, I think forgiveness is, is the ultimate, you know, it's, it's a integral step in healing and moving on and letting go. And, you know, it, it's easy to be like, you deserve to forgive yourself. Of course, very, very <laughs> butterflies and rainbows. That's, advice, very sp- right? that's spiritual bypassing. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it right there. Um, but I think again, it's, 
you have to, you have to find the motivation to forgive yourself. How do you find the motivation to forgive yourself? Well, again, logic, I think about life. I think about how easily we forgive other people. And I think if you're like, oh, man, man, I really do easily forgive other people. What, why, why am I not forgiving myself? The one person I am undeniably good enough for in my life, the one person I don't have to prove anything to, the one person I don't need anyone else's permission to heal, do change, whatever. Sometimes I think that's like the wake up call you need. It's like, I don't have a blueprint for forgiveness. I wish I did self-forgiveness, but I think comparing the way that you treat yourself with the way that you treat other people sometimes is like the final, the final mm. catalyst you need. It's like, it's almost firing yourself up. You're like, what the, Whoa, oh my gosh, why? I, I am so quick to forgive other people. I'm so quick to assume positive intent with other people. Why don't I give myself that same gift? Mm -hmm. It's the same with like empathy. Like I'm so willing to pour from my cup into theirs. Why don't I save a little bit for myself? Um, I, I think like you got to tap into some of your more human elements, which are, uh, I, I don't know, self-preservation or <laughs> competitiveness. I don't even know. I think you could turn those around into good things. Like I'm willing to forgive other people. I'm willing to do this and do that. Cause I think we do that more easily than forgiving ourselves, of course. Uh, but sometimes I think that is exactly what you need fire yourself up. Totally. To, yeah. And then about forgiving others, that's tough too. If we want yeah. to forgive our exes, so to speak also, in the context. Also tough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that comes down to the idea of, of closure. If like, if you want to create closure for yourself, which I think everyone does, you know, mm -hmm. there are certain things that you should not be carrying around with you for that long. I mean, if, mm -hmm. it's, if something is detracting from your ability to move on through mindfulness, asking yourself why I think eventually you'll lead yourself to, you know, to some kind of answer. And I think also reframing what forgiveness is like, yeah, give us like, that. That's is, so helpful. What there? I mean, what is that quote? It's like forgiveness does not require reconnection. I, I, like, I, I think about I think about forgiveness. I think about closure in the same vein. I think mm -hmm. a lot of the times we're wired to think that it's something that you work on together. That it's in a mutual agreement. Like my my soundbite is closure is not a team sport. I don't think. Like I think ultimately with with closure, yeah, you could be friends with your ex down the line, but I think in the immediate nothing. You do not need to be on the same page with them. You certainly don't need an apology from them. You don't need to, you know, agree on the reasons why when that's your mentality, same towards forgiveness, you're basically asking their permission to move on. And you don't need that now. I think down the line, it's healthy maybe to readdress some of those things together. But I think in the immediate, it, it is a one-on-one -on -one mere talk type scenario where you're deciding these things for yourself. It's like, closure is something that you create, not something you receive. And same with forgiveness, obviously, like you have to create it. You're not forgive, you're not receiving forgiveness, but this is same, same vein. Like you have to create it from your own intrinsic why um, versus hoping for permission to do it from them, hoping they give you a reason. It's like you ultimately are burdened with that and you have to decide what to do with it. Um, and I don't know, I, to me, that fires me up because it's like, you're not, you don't have to wait on anyone. You don't, you're not totally. You know. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, um, this idea of like a huge piece of forgiveness is accepting apologies that you might never receive and yes. therefore unburdening yourself from the weight of just carrying around, like the need for someone else to react to you in a certain way. And then releasing you like karmically from these other people so that you can have all the things you can have happiness the second and fifth time and all these things and have these positive experiences moving forward. But you're really chained to your past. If you're not willing to forgive others, it doesn't mean they have to eat at your dinner table. 
<laughs> yes, I like that. I keep going with the food. You want them to like eat. That. Yeah, you yeah. like, say, I mean, lunchtime and I'm hungry, but yeah. you, you want them to eat, just not with you, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And, you know, oftentimes I talk about, um, I talk about mindfulness and therapy and things like that. And I, most of my audience is women. And I always try to think about how could I get more men on, on the, on the feelings train. And one of the things I think about that at, at, when you hear it, it's going to sound like a little strange, but I think a lot of the times when it comes to mindfulness or therapy or feelings or forgiveness or closure, a lot of times it's about feeling, it's about choosing what feels best to you. Mm. Like, deep down spiritually, not like it feels good to do something irresponsible or damaging to yourself. We're not talking about hedonism here. We're talking about what feels better to hang on to something that makes you doubt yourself or to find a way to not do it. Like I was the most simplified way to think of things, but truly, I think a lot of times we need to find motivation to let go and mm, we don't motivation want to, to let go. I love we don't that. want to feel burdened. We don't want to feel shame. I think sometimes if you can literally be like two options, to feel the burden of shame or to not, which one feels better? If it's a feeling and I'm choosing a feeling, why can't I just make that decision? No one else has a say in the matter. No one else can dictate my behavior towards myself. I'm going to choose X, Y, and Z. Same with like therapy. Like how do I get more men to go to therapy? I go to therapy because it feels good. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's why I go to therapy. There's really no other reason <laughs> because it feels yeah. good. And what is the, the net result of feeling good? Well, more self-awareness and so on and so forth, but it feels good. It's the most yeah. like human biological thing. I think spiritual, a spiritual feeling of feeling good is a powerful motivation. If we can recognize that versus the thing that is detracting us when we can't find the motivation to let go, heal, close, forgive. I think sometimes that's what we need. I, like I try to tap into emotions that we already have to use them as like a catalyst for what we want. And I think sometimes Sometimes that helps as well. If you could just give yourself two options and choose the one that feels good in the, in the, in the responsible sense, not the, like, I'm going to brush this under the rug because in the immediate, it feels good. But in the long term, I think in, intuitively, we know what that is. And that's what mindfulness is, is about tapping into that more intuitive me, why uh, sense versus um, hanging on to something that we don't need to. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I do an exercise with my clients sometimes when they, I mean, I think all, all people, all of us client, my clients, everyone, your listeners, these you guys as listeners, we all have the answers inside of us. It's just a question of tapping into them. Right. And I do this exercise called the human Ouija board, where you put the two options, like on pieces of paper or in your mind's eye, like in front of you in a room, like let's say five feet on either side of you. Um, so like you're making a V with yourself at neutral zone and you actually step into each option and close your eyes and like, feel like that options already occurred. What's happening for cool. you? How do you feel? And your body will always tell you, you step back to neutral and then you step back to the other one. And it's an easy way to make a decision because once you can feel whether there's heaviness or lightness there, usually our body knows well before our brain does. Right. Huh. That's super cool. I love that. I love that. It's, com- <laughs> Human it's, combining, the, it's combining like the physical and the visual. I like that a lot. Like, I, I think that's so important too. Like there's an exercise in unbothered where I say, how do you feel? And then there's a list and how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And then I instruct you to, to draw a circle around each and draw a line between the two. So you can see a, like a path for yourself. So you can visually connect. I am anxious, but I want to be happy, whatever. Yeah. It's <laughs> about like contraction and expansion, right? Yeah, like I'm contracted exactly. in this and I want to be expanded. So in the time we have remaining, which isn't much, tell us how can people find more of you? How can they buy your journals? Give us the whole spiel. 
Oh, yes. Pretty simple. Instagram is kind of my hub case.kenny. The podcast is called new mindset. Who dis new mindset. Who dis.com is where you can pick up the journals. I'm also on YouTube now case Kenny. Uh, but yeah, if you just Google case Kenny, uh, you'll get more than enough of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if someone wants to start with your journals, where should they start? Which journal should they start with? Yeah. Well, I think it depends on what you need most. If you want, if you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed and um, kind of a, a victim of your own overthinking, I would recommend Unbothered. If you're just looking for more clarity in life, I would recommend New Mindset Who Dis. Um, and then if you're looking for anything special in the moment, like you need closure quickly, closure. If you're in a moment and you're unsure about if you, you want to date someone or if your standards are being met, I would pick up clarity. And then if you're single and you want to really remind yourself of the benefit of being single, you could pick up my book, Single is Your Superpower. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. can continue the conversation. If you guys have questions for me on my Facebook group at Habits for Happiness and remember everyone, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits. Thank you, Case. And tune in everybody next week for another riveting conversation about a habit that may change your life. Thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.